Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the fifth episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. My name is Richard, and I'll be your host and moderator. I am today blessed to be accompanied by my three co-hosts, Kent. Hey. Kai. What up? And Joel. Hey there. First, we'd like to thank you all for joining us today, wherever you're listening, whether it's YouTube or SoundCloud. Uh, we appreciate you joining us here. Uh, now, we know things are a bit tense at the moment. This is true not just in our community's small pocket of the world, but for many all across it. We're not here to tell you how you should feel or act, but we can help you and honestly ourselves engage with the small joy we all love in talking about the Transformers TCG. Sometimes it's really cathartic to think about fun things we like, so we're going to aim to do that for a little while. There's one more blanket mention we have to discuss briefly before we launch into spoilers today, which is that the events we've been advertising for in the beginning of the podcast, meaning the Hunter Burton Memorial Open and Gaming vs. Cancer, uh, all those are postponed indefinitely. We'll keep you updated if things look brighter in the near future or if we get more news regarding them. Uh, as of this moment, it's still looking like the event organizers for both Origins and Gen Con are optimistic about the status of things improving uh, in the coming you know, window. Those events might still happen, especially Gen Con, since it leaves a larger window for conditions to improve. In the meantime, uh, play the game. Play it with your families, your close friends. Play it over Skype. <laughs> uh, Transformers is a great time killer. I should know. I've spent a ton of time in the last couple of days playing in person uh, with just a couple of my members of my playgroup and over teleconferencing and such. Um, as of the time of the recording of this episode, Titan Masters Attack comes out one month from today on April 17th. Uh, and while release events might have the kibosh put on them, you can still go out and pick a product from your local game store to support the people who carry the game we love and play some sealed or turbo at home, whether with your family or kids or friends. Um, okay, I think we've dwelt long enough and all that. My guess is that most people who wanted to have uh, a chance to pull up CompuTronsLive.com or something like that, so they have the spoiler, uh, have done so. So shall we move on? Sure. Let us do it. Yeah, yeah let's do it, man. All right. Well, we're going to start with the traditional characters. There's a, a few less spoilers this week than we've gotten in the last couple ones. So we're going to try to knock out everything all in one go this week instead of having like an A and B uh, part. But So we'll start with Crankcase. Uh, so Crankcase is a seven-star Decepticon. He's a truck in melee in alt mode. He's four attack, 11 health, and two defense. And when you flip to this mode, you draw a card. Generic ability, pretty strong, though. Uh, and then when you flip him to the other mode, he becomes ranged instead of being melee. Uh, he gains an attack and loses a defense, so he's 5 attack, 11 health, 1 defense. And it says when this attacks and you have 5 or more cards in hand, he gets plus 3 attack until the end of the battle, which works pretty well with his other ability to draw cards and fill your hand. I think this guy's pretty cool. For a 7-star at common, like, you're going to love to play this in, in limited for one, but 7-stars with 11 health is, like, kind of on, you know, it's right on that uh, line of playability, and the potential to be attacking for base 8 out of his bot mode is no joke. Um, I think there might be some places for this. I can't think of any specific decks off the top of my head I would want to try him in, but uh, what do you guys think? Well, cool. Yeah, th this guy's pretty decent. I love the, you know, flip back to alt and draw a card. You know, I love to draw cards. The The issue that I have is I think he's going to die before you have five or more cards in your hand. I don't think that you're going to be sending out your big boy first in most cases. So you usually send your smaller attackers first um, or second, you know, whether it's 
skydive first, and then maybe your crankcase is going out there, and then your big boy last, and it might just be too easy to kill him before he gets to that bonus feature that he has in bot mode. I do like the fact that he's melee in one mode and ranged in another. He is one of the uh, original trigger cons, so that makes sense lore-wise very much. And sometimes it's a double-edged sword when they're a different skill set or attribute on one side than the other. But I actually think it's kind of fun because it opens up more uh, deck possibilities for you. And the the last thing I have to say about him, if you have five or more cards in your hand, yeah, he gets plus three, but when is that going to happen? I mean, literally, are, are you not playing an upgrade and an action on the turn that he's attacking? I just, I don't know. He's He's a cool character, but I'm just not sure where he fits yet. Yeah, so um, I actually feel the same way as you, Kent. I do think that he... He's an okay character if you're talking about in a generic sense. Um, the alt mode to flip to draw a card is really good with Reclaim, which we talked about last episode with uh, Beachcomber. <laughs> yeah. And while that guy is more flashy, this guy is just more uh, just simple. But he also has a dual purpose in the in being able to be a second attacker. And yeah, you kind of if you're playing in a generic lineup, you can't really play an action or an upgrade to get to that point, which is why I think he's really strong with characters that build that advantage naturally. Um, something Characters that draw cards, like maybe uh, Cliff Jumper, I could see. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just a lineup. You just need to figure out a lineup for uh, Crank Case in order to get him to that point constantly, because 8 attack is there there's only a select few bots that reach that naturally so i i think he is definitely worth investing in and trying to find a home for i think he'll be very good once you find that home yeah i'm not sure what that home is but eight attack is obviously very strong for a seven star bot and in in a in a deck that wants to do that it's really not that hard to draw several cards but Kent's absolutely right. It's hard to p- be playing cards and have a bunch of cards in your hand. So I don't think there's any place for him right at the moment. But eight attack is really enticing on a seven star for sure. Yeah. So he's he's seven stars for something that's a very high like base attack value. So he kind of reminiscent of Wind Charger for me in that way, right? Like you're looking for a character who attacks for a lot early as a very pretty pretty cheap on his face cost. Um, the fact that this guy is two different uh, combat tags is really cool to me. Um, I really love Perceptor because of the fact that, like, in some of my testing, um, he's been able to wear either reflex circuits or sturdy armor, depending on what I need him to wear. Or you wear, like, a sparring gear, right? But, like, the the rock, paper, scissors kind of armors that people, you know, refer to from Wave 3, those cards are situationally very, very powerful against certain decks. So the fact that you have like two different melee ta- or sorry combat tags in order to like maybe exploit the rock paper scissors matchup of it all is really cool, very interesting. I think it's good that he has defense on the right mode, right? Like the mode he'll get take the first hit, he has two defense there as opposed to the other mode. On top of that, I, I was thinking about like maybe playing him along, and maybe this isn't as good as barrage, but in a, like a five wide airstrike patrol deck or something like that, where. Uh, because of the fact that that team is just not very flip-intensive, you can use Crankcase himself to build the card advantage in your hand in order to get to five by the time you're attacking with Crankcase. Especially because the Airstrike Patrol is a, you know, kind of like an archetype at large that really likes, that really doesn't mind playing Pocket Processor because the green pip still uh, gets them a lot of benefit in combat. 
Um, so that's something that like I was thinking about. But on top of on top of like kind of these applications we mentioned here, he also has a stratagem. Just one star, also common. It's called data protection. And it says while you have crankcase data collector on the battlefield, your opponent's cards can't cause you to scrap cards from your hand. Now, this is really cool, but it feels like a sideboard card to me. Tell me if I'm wrong. It's definitely a sideboard card. I don't know that we're going to see it see mainstream play maybe for a while. I have been working on some discard-focused decks, uh, mainly with black pips. And yeah, this could possibly help stop uh, the heavy discard because I'm trying to put my opponent into a top deck mode for them and then just dealing massive amounts of pierce at the same time. So yeah, against that, it would probably be pretty good. I think a lot of the orange decks have now been playing system reboot, so I wouldn't be surprised to see this be played. I I just don't think, like as you said, it's probably sideboard. But yeah, I, the system reboot thing for combo, I think is definitely going to influence you having this card in the sideboard. Yeah, it's strictly a sideboard card. Most of the time, they're not making you discard. Uh, just like I said, it's not that hard to draw this many cards to make him useful if you want. It's it's also not very common to make people discard cards, or at least not very much. So this this card is strictly for sideboard, and I'm not even sure that it's even really needed there. Yeah, I mean, Pocket Processor kind of does the same thing over the course of a game. I like it refills your hand, so it kind of like nullifies the effect of discard. At the same time, though, putting this card into play against a discard-focused deck makes a lot of their abilities or the cards that they're using to discard your hand, uh, hopefully down to zero, they're just holding dead cards, like at that point. Whereas if they're playing like counter espionage and you drop this down, it's a dead card. They draw it, oh, too bad for you. Whereas if you have Pocket Processor and they counter espionage you, they can get the key card that you're trying to you know, play against them. Um, so just something, another angle to think about it. True, and, and if, if somehow Chrome Dome does see play, um, he doesn't get stopped by this. Should be, it should be noted. Yeah, and counter espionage can still get rid of any secret actions that you play. That's true. If they call it right if they call your shot correctly. Also, one last point to mention, uh, both Crankcase and his stratagem are commons, so it, when my local tournaments show up to play some Junkie on, that's uh, another consideration. I think it's cool when stratagems are commons because it means I can play them alongside uh, interesting characters, right? like so like Brawn and this guy. That could be fun, at least for, for sure. me. Cool, next card we have is Autobot Outback. He is a six-star common, and in alt mode, he has three attack, 10 health, and two defense. When you flip to this mode, you may scrap an upgrade from your hand. If you do draw two cards, and in bot mode, he is now ranged. Sorry, he was melee in alt mode. And now he's ranged in bot mode, four attack, 10 health, one defense. If an opponent's card would cause an upgrade to be scrapped from this, instead you may scrap an upgrade of the same type from your hand okay so this guy's cool i do like the fact that he is has both combat tags uh melee and alt and ranged and bot his 
alt mode ability. When you flip to it, you may scrap an upgrade from your hand if you do draw two. It reminds me a lot of Wave 2 10-star Megatron. When he attacks, you can discard an upgrade and draw two cards. So it's very similar in, in that fashion, except for you do not have to attack with him. You just flip to that mode. His other side, I really like that. It reminds me of Master Sword and Ghost Shield. Whenever they, you know, target your Master Sword or Ghost Shield, if you scrap the this exact same weapon or armor type from your hand, then they can't get rid of it. Yeah, the only problem I have with that is that you don't really care to protect the upgrades on him. He because he's six stars, he's only four attack in that mode, so he's not really going to be punching for all that hard. The way I probably see this guy is probably as a uh, just like either a filler piece or just like some way to filter your cards. If you have like a character like Lord Megatron that doesn't always flip, uh, you just flip the one time you need him to, then you can just use this guy to basically filter your hand. For me, the bot mode side, it's you just don't really care to protect any upgrades that you play on him. So outside of like maybe sparring gear, but even then. Autobot Outback. At six stars, he's obviously not going to be the centerpiece of your deck. But just like I was uh, saying with Crankcase, he could go with a card like Crankcase. It's just not that hard to draw cards if you want to. You're only having to pay six stars for a guy like this. His stats are okay, but uh, I'm not really sure what kind of deck that you really want to put this guy in. He doesn't necessarily have a place right now in, in either mode. So something I want to bring up when we're talking about Outback is I think six stars is um, kind of a hole as far as like the character pool goes at large, there aren't there just are not that many true six stars that are competing for that spot. And there are several deck archetypes that are really kind of hurting for a good six star. Right? So like I think you can you can point to maybe like the people playing Raiders Sights from Wave Four alongside like Major Shockwave. I think that's a really good example. Like that's a kind of deck that wants to play a six and a five alongside Major Shockwave's 14 stars, right? Just as a natural lineup consideration. But there just aren't that many good choices. So I think that what Autobot Outback is kind of competing against means that he might be playable. And the fact that his stats are totally reasonable, I think they're like almost the exact same as Beachcombers. Uh, no, they are the exact same as Beachcombers, except he's a truck instead of a car, and he becomes ranged. But I think the range tag is something that will help him in this instance. Um, and also the fact – like there are definitely times where, you know, Kai, you were mentioning earlier that pairing Outback with a bot who doesn't necessarily flip every turn is a pretty solid way to like get use out of his alt mode ability. And there are going to be turns where you don't want to flip your major shockwave. Maybe your opponent doesn't have a card in their hand for you to scrap, so you want to leave him in his bot mode and get that extra point of attack. You can flip Autobot Outback and ditch the handheld blaster that you 100% have drawn at this point in the game. And turn them into actual actionable cards. That's another point in his favor, actually, that I want to mention, is the fact that of his uh, like his ability, he's kind of like Wave Four Springer esque ability on his alt mode. It is the better one of the two, generally speaking, because almost every deck is playing Improvised Shield or Handheld Blaster, and those are cards you actively do not want in your hand unless you're some freakish deck like uh, Captain Jetfire, right? <clears throat> so the fact that you can turn them into like actionable resources or real cards as opposed to being dead is just awesome. Like It's a very good utility ability to have on one of your support characters. Lastly, uh, before we move on to like the, talking about his stratagem, I also think this guy is definitely a contender for dopest art in the set on both modes. That action shot on his Humvee mode, and then also the like the cool lighting 
in Looks the like background. Yeah, yeah. Background. Like his aura is. Both of those are fantastic pieces of art, and I don't. I, we don't always talk about the like aesthetic pieces of the game, but. I bet he looks incredibly cool to have in your hand. So, Well, his stratagem is called Systems Enhancement, and it's one star like all the rest of the stratagems. When you upgrade Autobot Outback, draw a card and then scrap a card from your hand. I absolutely love this, and I know what home he belongs in. <laughs> um, and everyone who listens to this podcast knows what I'm going to say. And it's just, this guy's a combo piece <laughs> hey, for, for such a small star value. Yeah. This guy can, I'm going to be experimenting with him. Yeah. But not, not just besides with combo. I think, uh, Outback is as, uh, Ken Nagel said in his article that revealed, uh, Outback, um, they're, they're, they realize that upgrades aren't as inherently powerful as action because you can your opponent can interact with them so i think we're going to start seeing cards like this that slowly start getting better with like upgrades and the only thing i'm probably worried about is if upgrades become a little too good and then the, that becomes the whole combo s argument again but this is i think a good step in that right direction well at least at this point most of the combo decks have been centered around specialists uh so Outback is not a specialist, and Kent was talking about for the low, low star cost of only six, but now it's only seven. I'm not sure that this really has a place, at least not in any sort of iteration of combo decks that exist right now. Yeah, I think you make a good point, Joel. Um, the fact that he's not, the fact that uh, Autobot Outback is not specialist doesn't mean he's kind of hurt out of the combo decks. The card does have actual stats on him, um, and the fact that let's say you're playing him alongside something like. Any of the weaponizers, like the fact that all, that he can save the weaponizers while he's in uh, in his like bot mode is really powerful. But I do think it's interesting to bring up. We're actually going to talk about Wingspan's stratagem, but I'm going to go over Wingspan real quick since they were revealed in a separated post. So Wingspan is a beast specialist. He is 3 attack, oh, 11 health, 2 defense, and when you flip to alt mode, draw a card. This has plus 1 defense for each card under him. And when you flip to bot mode, he's a specialist for 11-1. And when an upgrade is scrapped from this, put it under him. His stratagem is strategic airlift. When you have wingspan data processor on the battlefield and an upgrade is scrapped from one of your other characters, put that upgrade under wingspan. So this definitely is very good for wingspan. It definitely adds to the strategy that you want with him where you it speeds up his ability to tank damage and attacks. And the only problem I have with this card right now is it makes him nine stars, which is actually very expensive for like yeah. the the shells that I would consider for Wingspan to begin with. So I love the card, but I don't think there's a home for it right now. And obviously, with more cards we can uh, find through spoilers, just may change that. But yeah, it's I, I love this guy, but I, I don't know if I'll find a home for him by the end of the wave. Every one of these stratagems when they say something about a specific guy, especially a guy that doesn't have huge, huge stats, you're really paying a, a high cost for some, I mean, something's just understated. That, that's why those SRTs from wave two don't see any play. They're just understated for their star cost. And, and this guy was already eight stars and sort of understated. And then you add on another star and he's not really getting any better. I, I don't see this getting a lot of use, especially since the putting the cards under him only affects him when he's in alt mode. Yeah. I think that that really would be a lot more powerful if it was on both of his modes, 
But um, I think there might be a little un- unbalanced, imbalance, pardon me, for sealed if that were the case. So I think there's like several upgrades in this set that scrap themselves. I think his, his stratagem is interesting. I don't know that it's worth a full star to me. A couple of these stratagems, they do really interesting things. So I'm not saying this about all of them, but several of them do really interesting things that I think are not quite worth a star, right? Like they're worth something like I would pay a half of a star for this or I would pay one star for like something equivalent to double this effect, right? Because you can't really pay half a star. And this just falls in that same category for me. Like I think it's a really interesting ability. I think it's useful. I think this helps you because uh, it doesn't matter what mode your your wingspan is in when the upgrades are scrapped from your other characters. But I think the fact that like he only has 11 health is going to be kind of a big downfall. You can't be 9 stars and 11 health in this game. Like it's just going to be unless you're adding something incredibly unique like thrust like, it's just not going to be something you can do. And Thrust has higher base defense than this guy. Plus, it looks like, it looks to me like this character might be kind of flip-intensive because he wants you to help you draw cards, and he kind of wants to cycle back and forth between his modes. So I just I just can't really imagine too many lineups where you play him. He is specialist, so that's something to keep in mind. So if you're going to do something like play Master of Metallicato in an aggressive deck, like, it's an orange pip for him. It can help him attack for real big numbers. But... I'm excited to play this guy in Sealed, and I think there is there are decks where you will play his Stratagem in Sealed as well, but I'm not super high at the moment on his like prospects for being in the competitive metagame in Constructed. So as it stands right now, it feels like Wingspan is more of a limited card. He is common, and his Stratagem is common too, so theoretically you could play those two things together and have a blocker that is just almost impossible to get by uh, without Pierce. I will say this guy is on my watch list. If they ever print a card that says change your defense and power, switch them until end of turn or something like that, then this guy has possibilities with a combo deck based around him with a giant, giant attacker uh, with Steamroll. I would do that with Thundercracker in Wave 2 and could KO Metroplex in one hit, you know, because I was just able to do a million actions with swap parts back before it was banned and then swing into <laughs> Metroplex, do a Steamroll and like knock it over into someone else too. I mean, it was pretty sick. And this guy... If they ever make a card like that, I definitely would like to explore that. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing about these stratagems that are based on a single character, uh, like this one where you're paying an extra star, and when this specific character is on the battlefield, I'm just not crazy about most of these because that character has to be on the battlefield, and they usually aren't very big characters. I, I'm I'm much more into the stratagems that have uh, bigger overarching effect and doesn't even necessarily matter if that character is still on the battlefield like stealth mission or weapons cache or cards like that i'm fixing to tell you about our one body mode this week that is mind wipe he is nine stars and a beast in alt mode four attack 12 health two defense when you flip to this mode Choose a battle icon color, then look at your opponent's hand and scrap a card from it that has a battle icon of that color. 
in body mode, he becomes melee, which is significant because there was no melee or specialist or range tag in alt mode. Um, so he becomes melee, five attack, and one defense. When this attacks and you flip at least one black, your opponent chooses a card from their hand and scraps it. If they can't, you draw a card. I think this card is really neat. Uh, the effect is really cool. It's good It's good to make your opponents discard. Sometimes, I mean, a lot of decks, especially really aggressive decks, are going to be in top deck mode very quickly. I mean, I, I think when you're playing Bugs or Blaster or something like that, it's very easy to not have any cards, so then you're 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 gaining extra extra cards instead of making them scrap. But I think the biggest problem with this guy is that he's nine stars, and even with the smallest head, he's going to be ten, and that's just not very good statistics for uh, at least a ten star bot. And I'm confused why some of these new bots they don't have a tag in one of their modes or either of their modes, he's only beast in alt mode. I'm not really sure why they did that. Here's why I think it. I think it's a lore reason, honestly. So I don't think that mind wipes... And Kent, you're the lore master here, so feel free to correct me if I'm stepping way out of bounds. Um, but his you know, his kind of like epithet after his name is hypnotist. So I, I think that it's because he doesn't really fight so much as he kind of lures people or like other bots into... Either giving up or or switching sides, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, that's my theory. I think this guy's interesting. Having like a critical mass of discard abilities is pretty sick, and the fact that his body mode ability actually is relevant past the point where your opponent's hand is empty is really cool. I think the I actually, as far as like his stats go, I really only think the thing he's understanding in is health. I think I'm okay with both his defense total and his attack total because I feel like that's not the axis on which he's trying to dominate, at least like naturally. Like naturally, I think he's trying to dominate the hand space, and he's giving you freedom to use both your action and your upgrade uh, to make him relevant in combat because I think he's naturally relevant in the other phases of the game. I am interested in seeing if he's any good with Grax still. I know that makes him 12 stars, so he's the centerpiece of your team. But 12 stars for 17 health is actually a good rate, um, and if you have that paired with the fact that his ability is just like kind of naturally card advantageous and is a very good way for you to interact with your opponent on a, on a team that's not very flip intensive, you still have like seven, you still have 13 stars worth of people to be able to play alongside him, and that's no joke. I think this guy is cool. I don't know yet if he really belongs in any place in the competitive metagame. But there's a couple of subset of heads where I wouldn't mind exploring that. Okay, so Mindwipe is actually one of my favorite characters. Uh, I love the fact that he's a bat. I love his color scheme. I love the fact that he hypnotizes people. And I also love the fact that Wizards really got it right with fitting what his abilities are to the actual character. He's kind of erasing cards from your hand, so it's a total mind wipe. Um, I think his art in bot mode looks amazing. I don't know why the art looks a little... I don't know. It just doesn't match the, the clarity and the coolness of his bot mode when he's in his beast mode. Oh, man, I wanted this card to be so good, and I love discard, and I love black pips. And I'm going to still try him out, but it just feels like 
Wave 4 Thundercracker is probably better because he's cheaper and has more health and can basically, you know, do the same kind of things of making your opponent discard. I want this card to be good so badly, and he's just he's just overcosted. If he was fewer stars, eight, because you, you got to put a head on the guy, and then all of a sudden that pumps everything up. Forath is pretty cool with the tough one, but I guess they're wanting you to play black-blue if you're pairing Vorath with Mindwipe. So as the um, the lower zero on this uh, team, uh, I have to look at I have to, I have to look at it statistically. Like this card is just inferior to Chrome Dome. No, sir, I don't like it. So Chrome Dome has one more health and has costs one less star. And yes, he can only interact with actions, but he's permanently removing them by putting him in the KO area. And upgrades are just interactable by nature as it is. So it, I would honestly just rather play Chrome Dome and. Chrome has a better condition that you want for him anyway, because then he becomes seven attack, which is very good. So it's I, to me, it's just no question. Just play Chrome Dome if you're considering Mind Wipe. He did compare with a head, though, and it's the only head we've got this week. It's actually, it's Vorath. So uh, Vorath is a Decepticon head, and it's one star. It gives tough one in head mode, and then when you flip him over after he kind of pops off, he deploys... He is a Titan Master in ranged. He has two attack, one health, zero defense, and tough one. So I, I don't think that tough one in, in bot mode is going to do much, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I think he's probably going to get evaporated <laughs> he pops off. Yeah. First thing. But he is ranged, which is good. It means he can do things like wear uh, armed hovercraft or, a sturdy, or throw a sturdy javelin at people. I'm just happy because I feel like um, on these heads, one of the things that I've been really impressed with Watsi in this one is that the star costing between the offensive and defensive heads has felt even on, on the heads, right? Like it's actually parallel. The bold one head is one star. The tough one head is one star. The plus one attack is two stars. The plus one defense is two stars. The tough threes are, and the, the tough three and the bold three are both four stars. So it, it feels like they actually did give them real parallels. In, in this set, and I'm really happy about that because historically they really have kind of favored the numbers on the offensive side of things. But I think that the one-star heads are all really good. Like, I don't know that we're going to want to play Vorath with the guy that you spoiled him with, because I don't think Mindwipe is really honestly going to see all that much play. But I do think Vorath is going to see play. Like, I think he could totally be in maybe a defensive deck that's focusing around Skull Smasher or something along those lines, right? Like, I'm interested in seeing Vorath, like the kind of decks that I could put him with, because I was predicting for the longest time we get a tough one head for one star. But I, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't actually have faith they were going to come through. Cool. Yes, I love Vorath for one star, tough one. I'm completely happy having the range tagged. Excellent, excellent. Lore-wise, this guy is actually Lord Zarok, his second in command. And Lord Zarok is the head of Scorponok, who's one of the Decepticon headmasters, who's actually the leader. Um, and his opposite would be Fortress Maximus. Anyways, Vorath is a scientist who actually helps invent the Pretender technology, which we don't have Pretenders in this game yet. I'm sure it will come in a future wave. But he's one of the main driving forces who helped make that happen in issue 40 of the original Marvel run. 
His face in head mode, very interesting. I like the uh, the eyes on it. The actual figure was the same way. But wow, look at that not, I'm not happy smile. Like, <laughs> What a grump. Oh, he totally has a, a, a grouchy face. I didn't notice that until right now. Yeah, his, he, that guy's a grump. Just... Flintlock, too. <laughs> his Flintlock's picture is right next to it on Computron's lab right now. And if you see, Flintlocks looks particularly disgruntled in head mode as well. Oh, yeah. That guy's like, <laughs> he, he just smelled somebody do a... <laughs> oh, I wonder what the tough two head's going to look like. Probably also mad. Actually, if you look at it, all the, all the heads except for Briscoe are probably like a little grumpy. So <laughs> that's a little funny. But um, <laughs> back to, back to uh, Vorath. Uh, I think... So one of the things about the one-star heads that I think is very important is you're not really the the effect is pretty uh not whatever because there is impact in them but it's you can you can easily probably be, pick between a uh, Kreb or Voraf in a situation where you want a one head it just it's basically to make the body as cheap as possible possible for the uh, character ability and I think that's really smart because tough one it's not all that impactful realistically but sparring gear becomes tough three and that's pretty pretty crazy so yeah it's this this guy is very good all the tough one heads are very good yeah i think this guy is great um the tough one i think tough one is pretty impactful especially for one star obviously his bot mode is not going to be super relevant one that one more thing about vorath uh i used to go my uh, screen name for several different forums used to be Vorath. That's cool. Yeah. Spoilers are a little lighter than they've been uh, previously this week, so we're going to go ahead and try fitting them all into one big episode uh, since we just finished all the characters instead of splitting it into two parts. Um, however, we've been liking the icebreaker question. We've included the beginning of Part B each week uh, to allow all of you to pull up the spoilers if you wanted to. So we're going to go ahead and do that anyway, even though you guys probably already have anything pulled up. So... A little context, guys, we are well on our way into spoiler season, and of the three previously printed characters who are making a return in this set, we've only seen one, Sergeant Cup. We know Optimus will be coming back based on the packaging for the product, and it'd be pretty criminal not to put uh, Megatron into the set alongside him, pun intended. However, we haven't seen either of them spoiled yet. And uh, according to Computron's lab and some other like compilations for characters in the set, we have seven character cards left out of the 46 for Wave 5 as of today. Uh, so what do you think the reason for the late reveals of the of Optimus and probably Megatron are? And do you guys have any speculation as to what they might do? Um, We'll see. I feel like we've had so many of the characters spoiled so quickly, and we're still a month away from release. So it's it's kind of hard to say. I'm glad that the spoilers are kind of slowing down a little bit. We have more to look forward to, and there's more of a buildup instead of just this giant dump of, you know, here's a bunch of cards. Cool. And it is cool, but at the same time, I, I like it more drip-fed to us than, than anything else. Um, I'm not sure what Optimus or Megatron might do, but... I am wondering if Nightbeat is going to be in this set. He is a headmaster and a, a pretty popular character uh, lore-wise in both the comic and uh, I think the Japanese cartoons. And like he's a detective 
And I've, I've always thought about like him for ever since they started releasing uh, Secret Actions of Wave 3. It'd be so cool if a card could like see what the secret action is that your opponent played. Um, and we kind of got that with uh, Counter Espionage. But it'd be cool if we had a bot that did that too. And I think he would be the perfect one since he's a detective. So the uh, Autobot head that I was talking about earlier that would probably give health, I think that's probably going to be the Optimus head. Uh, what was his name? Apex? Apex. Yeah, yeah. Autobot Apex. And yeah, so I. that's what I feel that head is going to be for... Megatron is in a Titan Master, is he? Actually, he is. He has a he is. Doom Shot, I think. Okay, is, uh... correct. Okay, so then he would probably be the four-star Pierce head, and I think, if there is a four-star Pierce head, which crazy but <laughs> that'd be awesome if there was it'd be a lot of pierce is my yeah guess. but I, I think the reason for the late reveals is because those are those are two very iconic characters probably the most iconic characters of this franchise so i think realistically we'll probably see them last and probably in a kotaku article or something but yeah it's I, i've been i've been waiting for him i, I want to see him so <laughs> hopefully hopefully soon fingers crossed yeah i don't have much to add to that i'm just sure that I'm just sure that they're going to be very powerful. I, I really hope that the Megatron character uh, finally holds up to Optimus in I this know, in this yeah. one. Yep. Can they just get, so we have okay okay so we're talking about this earlier right? I guess this was this is more like something we were talking about in the chat, like in our, in our Facebook group Messenger. But um, I think there have been six Megatrons so far in the game. There's two in Wave One. Wait, there's one in Wave Two, and there was the Wave Two like starter set with the seven star Megatron. There's one in Wave 3 in general, general, and then there's Lord in Wave 4, right? So six. So if this is the seventh Megatron, if this was if this was good or, like, competitively viable, truly competitively viable, it would be one of seven, right? Like, Lord Megatron is close. General Megatron is close. But, like, the, like the other four really aren't – they aren't there. Like, they just don't make it, right? I love the bad guys. You guys, y'all have heard me so many times say go team bad guys, and I played the whole Energon Invitational with the Decepticon side of my mat, even though I was playing um, Captain Jetfire. <laughs> um, I I like the Decepticons. I think villains are more more round or interesting because like Absolutely. They, they act outside of what you expect them to do more often, so they're less predictable. I have a prediction. I don't know what Megatron or Optimus will do. I don't. I think guessing Apex is a big health character. Big health head is as good a guess as any Kai. <clears throat> but I think Doomshot might do something kind of like an all-around thing. So I think Doomshot might be like a four-star head or something like that that gives like Pierce two, tough one, and bold one for four stars or something like that. Which I think would be really, we think really awesome. I would love to see more characters who are kind of in the vein of General Optimus Prime uh, Infantry Leader from Wave Three. Like that card is so versatile. Yeah, it's seen playing a bunch of different strategies. It's really interesting and limited. Like the card's just cool, and it's a natural incentive to play mixed pip, um, which I think is something that they're trying to increase in the game. So I wouldn't mind seeing some uh, like a head that did that a little bit, or or. That'd be cool. Okay. Um, <clears throat> now that we've gotten a little bit of our banter on, I think uh, we'll move into normally this section we would go to stratagems that are kind of like re rear facing or that don't have a character applied to them. But 
We didn't get any of those stratagems, any non, any retro-facing ones or non-character-specific ones this week. Uh, we still have like six more left. I think there's 30 stratagems in, in Titan Master's Attack, but we've only got like 24 of them spoiled. So um, one more speculative question. Do you guys think there's any more previously printed characters who are going to get a stratagem that hasn't been revealed yet? Hopefully King Starscream. Yeah. That guy really needs some help. And also, I really would love to see one for uh, Wave 2 Skywarp Teleporting Seeker. I think that card is so interesting and so cool. And the fact that they could literally make blank pips like another color, so to speak, in the game. But his only ally is really Barricade so far. So we need another bot, obviously, that likes blank pips and we need something to make teleporting seeker skywarp like good uh because he's just not good enough for 10 stars uh so i would actually like to see one for uh decepticon leader megatron the wave one megatron that i have no idea why i love so much is it a 10 star one yes this is a 10 star one i have no idea why i love that card so much but i do (laughs) and i would love to see a star card for a stratagem for him but i highly doubt it but Fingers crossed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I would really love to see something for Ultra Magnus. That guy really would be really good if he didn't have to wear his armor. Like if they had a two-star stratagem that just started him with his armor in place as actual statistics instead of having to put the armor on there because I, I played that guy at, at EI. I thought I had a crazy good deck. It actually was really a very fun and good deck but his armor just makes him so vulnerable because it's so easy to destroy armor i mean who who's not running bashing shield in an aggressive deck and and there was so much reprocess there which was part of the reason that i didn't do as well as i thought i wasn't expecting to see so much of that card so i think that a stratagem that that gives him the statistics of ultra magnus armor would make that card far more playable or something like maybe it gives a spare parts effect where the armor just can't be knocked off that's maybe too good yeah but then he's then he's 15 stars well they could do something where like they had what if they did a stratagem where in it replaced it instead of you search your deck for the armor what if you got to bring the armor from outside the game so it was like in your sideboard so it basically made it 13 stars if you wanted to play him with his armor. So it kind of reduced the star cost of it by one. I could that? see that. That's interesting. I think that could be cool. And it's kind of it's kind of venturing on the strictly better, though, unfortunately. It's not technically strictly better than playing him with his armor, but it's pretty close. Well, I mean, Wind, Windblades makes hers just strictly better. I agree with you, by the way, Kent. Um, I think that Starscream Decepticon King is the card I most want to see get a stratagem. If I was going to have to pick one, especially because all the other Wave 2 Super Rares have one now. So I think he's feeling a little left out. I know he's not a triple changer, but he's still really dope. That's the one that I really want to get one. Um, I know I've got a buddy who wants Blur to get a stratagem. He loves Blur. What would you have Starscream's stratagem do? Well, we were spitballing this a little bit offline, and I think something that would be really cool would be something like, uh, at the beginning of the game, like, name a card, and basically that card's name in your deck, hand, and on the battlefield, 
is Decepticon Crown in addition to whatever its normal name is. I think that'd be really cool because it would basically take the number of Decepticon Crowns you're playing from three to six, which means uh, your your Starscream is better on offense and defense, and it doesn't actually get over his issue of him having too low of a health total originally. But I do think that for 14 stars, you're making him a real attacker. Like he's bringing something unique to the table at that point. Like his attacks stand a, a far greater chance of doing something like double flipping a, a quote unquote Decepticon crown at something like that point. Like that's what I think would be really interesting. I love that idea so much. <laughs> Wizards, if you're listening, print this card. <laughs> it's a little late. It's a little late. Maybe. Add, hey. Add it to the set. Add it to the set. Add Take it one. to the set. But <laughs> they might, they could like print more stratagems for different, the same bot. You know, like uh, Joe with um, not Joe, uh, Drew was talking about um, the multiplicative type of deal, and I think that's that falls into the that type of category. Yeah, they could they could make a rule where you only. get to play one stratagem that uh, with a character that it's mentioned right that so is like, true yeah they can true. make a rule that if you can only take one extra turn like they can limit that like yeah, that's just... that's, an, that's an easy choice so i say now that we've gotten some just like you know golden banter going on <laughs> i think <laughs> we should move on to some of the cards again sweet um so let's let's talk about some battle cards what do you say all right well the first card that we have is enhanced power cell and this is a black pip card. It's an upgrade that's a utility, and the upgraded character gets plus three health. As someone who's been experimenting with basically mono black decks, a few white pips as well, I'm I'm pretty interested to see this card. Uh, I like that, and oh, I can't remember the other card. The one that gives that's an armor that gives plus four. Increased durability. Increased durability. Increased durability. Yeah, um, I feel like black can't, since they cannot defend, they need higher health, and that's exactly what this card does. Yeah, even just beyond black decks, though, I think, I wouldn't be surprised if people start playing this at one or two because it's less powerful than energy pack, but it doesn't have any restrictions and it doesn't give a quote unquote primary uh, pip color, but plus three health is pretty substantial in a slot that's very hard to hit. So I, I, I love this card. I think I, I'm going to play at least one or two in the decks of, that I can fit it in for sure. Yeah. I think the biggest weakness of this card is that it doesn't have a green pip. Maybe it'd be too good if it had a green pip, but you could say that almost about, any card that has a green pip, I mean, most of the green cards, most of the green pip cards that we do play, we play almost exclusively because it has a green pip. That's why the card is so good. So I think this card would be much more useful, like Kent was saying, for those black pip decks that can't defend, so they need more health. Well, Kent's very fond of saying to me, well, but you have to draw it. Well, you have to draw this or it doesn't make any difference. So the green, a green pip would make a huge difference, obviously. I think that's that's something that this card might have really needed. Well, I think there's kind of two ways to tackle that problem, that you have to draw a problem, right? You can include a mechanic that natively increases the number of times where you're going to see the card like a green pip, or you can do what is called the critical mass effect, right? 
So Black has access to quite a few of these no-restrictions health boon cards. They have increased durability at plus four that's an armor. They have enhanced power cell here that's a plus three utility. And they have – I can't remember the, the double black pip that, that's a utility that gives you – minor medic kit, I think it's called, that gives plus two health. So yes. I think between all of those cards, that's a lot of a cards that do a similar effect. And because of uh, the fact that they take up different slots, like you can actually – maneuver it so that you can get like a stacked ability of bonus health, right? If you have an enhanced power cell in your utility slot and increased durability in your armor slot, that's seven extra health on that character. Admittedly, it ate two of your upgrade uh, phases during your turns, but that's still, that's that's a lot of time to buy, you know? I'm interested in this card. The fact that it, it's got no restrictions on it means that there's a, there's more lineups you can play that, that feature it, Right? Which I think is really interesting. Like I think this is a card that um, would be really cool to maybe see in some of the like orange black pierce decks, maybe out of the sideboard to help them combat some of their worst matchups. Who knows? Um, but I think this is cool. I'm also gonna play in every one of my limited pools that I open. Like this yes. card is coming right in. It's so good. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So the next card we have is emergency repair patch. It is a blue pip. Upgrade armor. When you put this on an Autobot, repair one damage from it, and it gives plus one defense. Uh, so I do like the design of this card. It is very well designed. I do like Ken Nagel's article that he uh, posted this card in. The repair one damage is basically half a defense in a, in a sense from a design point. And I really like the way that's designed. It's just from a competitive stance, repair one isn't strong enough, and plus one defense isn't strong enough. It's, it's unfortunate because I like the design of this card. Yeah, it's a cool card, but it, it'll it won't see a lot of constructive play. It's it's gonna be good in in limited, uh, but yeah, constructive play not so much. I would have loved to see it maybe have like an additional tag on it. So something like um, you know we've seen in the case of Energon Mason Trithelium Shield. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Where they didn't just care about uh, who who the what characters were battling. They also cared about leaders. So um, I would have loved to have seen this maybe have like a repair one damage from it, and then if it's put on an Autobot leader, repair an additional damage from it. I think that could have been a really interesting uh, point. I think it could have made it see some actual play, even as just like a one of. Um, I, I know that like Jetfire would have loved to see something like that in a bunch of the matchups that I played. Um, I like that. I think we should mention in particular this is an Autobot card. I don't know if you actually mentioned that, Kai. Uh, I did not. Yeah. Um, so that could potentially be relevant at some point in the future. Uh, you can put it on anything, kind of the same way you can put Energon Mace or Trithelium Shield or anything. But um, I think this card is cool. I like that it's blue pip armor. Those are typically something I'm trying to keep my eye on. But I think it's just a little, little a slightly below the curve, um, unfortunately. For me, I wish that this card Arrow was recon. a utility. Arrow Recon. Yeah, Arrow, Arrow, we're recon. starting to see more yeah. and more Which cards you can only that are a utility. Yeah, there is that, uh, but this would excite me much, much more if it was a utility. As it stands, I kind of see it as limited only. Defense. I think that there's would... one in Wave 1, actually. Say again? There's one in Wave 1. All right, so for those of you that were wondering which card I would be punished with this week, uh, that's our next card. That <laughs> that's is, not true. That's that not, is it's so stand. true. 
So, so Richard really hates this card. Uh, so that's why I'm getting it. It's uh, last stand, one black pip action. One of your characters gets plus five attack uh, until end of turn, KO it at the end of the turn. So when, when this card was first revealed, uh, Richard was pretty down on it. And, and I, I, you know, I'm actually very excited about this card, believe it or not. I, I think that adding five attack is really good. Yeah, you have to KO your bot. You're probably not going to do it to your to your uh, Galaxy Prime when he's still got 20 health left or something like that. That wouldn't be the best choice. But I I think this is a really cool card in a in an ultra-aggressive deck that's, that's dealing with a bunch of little bots, obviously like a wide deck or something like maybe thinking black Constructicons or something like that where your bots are going to die anyway. And and back uh, back in the day uh, when I played Magic, there was this really cool card called Carevex Spite that said uh, your opponent loses five life and you discard your hand and all of your permanents, I think. Oh, my God. So, so basically you kill them or you lose the game. Uh, and that's sort of how this card feels feels to me, and, and I was running three of that in in uh, in my in my deck. So I, I I love cards like this. No no guts, no glory, man. Go for it. <laughs> okay, so I want to I want to clarify something, <clears throat> which is that I don't hate this card, and I wasn't trying to punish Joel. <laughs> okay. The the week prior to this and the week before that, Joel was being punished. That's absolutely what happened. But this week, that's not the case. Joel said, I have a lot to say about Last Stand. And I said, okay, cool. We'll let you say it about Last Stand. That's how that's how the conversation went down for the viewers. I'm not some maniacal villain. Um, I think this card is not my favorite. Um, that said, I know I'm going to get uh, I'm gonna lose a lot to it in my in sealed. I'm fairly confident about that. <clears throat> plus five is just a lot. The black pip is okay. Plus five is really cool, but I think it's just so the problem with aggressive decks is they're trying to get the game over really early, and I think last stand is just oppo- diametrically opposed to that goal. Like aggressive decks are trying to get the game over early, but unless you're using this on a on like a Titan Master character who has already taken a bunch of damage, you're not actually getting anything out of it. I think one of the other things that should be mentioned is if you are using it on the wheel turn, you're, it doesn't work how you necessarily think it does because the card says KO it at end of turn. End of turn what happens after characters untap. So that's something that's important to make sure that you're paying attention to. So if you use this card on your last attacker and there's no other there's no other untapped people, that means that damage will be dealt, characters will untap, and then your character will be KO'd. So if you had a head pop off from that character, you're not actually getting an extra attack out of it. Which if it wasn't worded that way, if it was gets plus five until end of turn and you KO it after it battles that would be a different card. I would be more on board for that card. This one, not so much. I think you might see some play in sideboards in aggressive mirrors. That's all I can see. So Joel and I used to play Magic uh, way back in the day, and as soon as I read this card, I thought about Caravex Spite as well. Um, And I had no doubt that Joel was thinking the same thing (laughs) when he saw it. Yeah, Joel made top eight at his very first PTQ that he ever went to, and that's when PTQs were hundreds and hundreds of people. So it was very difficult to make top eight at that event, and I saw him do that to more than one opponent, and I think that helped 
you know, seal his uh, fate of getting into top eight. Uh, for me, I love this card. I mean, it looks incredible. And again, I'm experimenting with a lot of mono black decks. And a lot of times the da- there's like a damage cap with mono black. At this point where you do an action, you're basically getting plus two calculated strike steady shot and like contract contingency those are all just actions that give you plus two and then for your upgrades you you have a cap two like plus three with rr disruptor blade with fusion borer with crystal of power like there's this this ceiling that you hit very quickly damage wise and Last Stand helps you break that ceiling. Also, the fact that, you know, your little battle masters, you can help equip them. You make them big with Last Stand and maybe an upgrade on them. They swing for the fences as much as they can. Then your opponent has to attack into them. And cool, now my guys are bigger. You know, with Fire Drive, he gets past that uh, damage ceiling for a black deck very quickly. Uh, if you're drawing a lot of cards. So I'm a big fan of Last Stand. I think you're going to see it more often than you might think. Yeah, honestly, I can't eat. I don't, the only thing I've ever thought of with this card was pure orange Constructicons, and I've never really liked pure orange Constructicons. I've always liked the orange-black version, even though that's my least favorite orange-black deck. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll leave judgment to uh, Joel and Kent because I honestly don't think this card will see all that much play, but I'm always willing to be proved otherwise. So Same. And I think it's interesting that we're kind of split 2-2 on this. What do you mean you don't agree with me? Do you know who you're dealing with? Like, I feel, I feel like we kind of have like a tie on like how we're evaluating this card. I'd love to see how the community breaks that tie. Well, and it, I think it's so useful too when... You're both at one bot left each. Say you have your Sound Blaster, and he survived a lot because you've put down things that give him more health, those black cards that we mentioned earlier. Maybe you're playing Hold the Line and Force Field, and now it's like one-on-one, and now he gets to put a plus-three weapon on himself, and it's the last attack. Gotta go for it. Here's last stand. You're dead. And I mean... Yeah, I mean, I see the situation with this in the end game, but it's the problem is it's that's really good in end game, and that's probably about it. Like the KOing, the KOing the character is the biggest drawback for of this card for me. And yeah, you can do that with Constructicons and Battlemasters to advantage points, but it's I just feel like you're probably only going to play one of to see it in the end game, and that doesn't seem likely. So you're playing more, and you're just not you're just not playing it until the end game. So it's it just it's just it's just really really weird to me. I just don't see this card being played all that often, but yeah. Just I don't I don't see this card making it into my deck until after there's already three copies of Reckless Charge in it. Personally. At that point, like how much more effective is this than one of the other good combat actions we've gotten recently? Like you gotta look at head on collision, you've gotta look at supercharge, you know, like you can even look at at uh, like calculated strike. Like I know it's I know it's a big difference on calculated strike, but that pierce damage is relevant, right? And I mean, a character is a resource. I maybe you're right, Joel, but like, or maybe you're right, Joel and Kent. But like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I just don't see a, a picture where this is really that effective of a card in the metagame. 
I can also see it working on a uh, Titan Master too, like a guy who's about to die anyway. And like, you know, here's Clobber. He's flipping a bunch of orange or a bunch of black or a bunch of both. And you're doing last stand. And now Clobber pops off. And now we've got another guy with bold force uh, that they have to deal with. So I, this has more... I think this has more playability than some might think. What What would you say if you're playing a heavy black deck and you paired it with a card like Erratic Energy Grenade? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's interesting. Building your own photon bomb out of this card. Sure, that's cool. I hadn't thought about that, and that's an interesting application. But um, to, I think it's still yes. So that while that while that is interesting and probably worth exploring. Uh, we I have not seen it be effective in action yet. So build that deck, Joel, and 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 beat us all down at the next event. Please, please. I want to be proven wrong. Yeah, so do I. That's why we do this. <laughs> we're we're here to be proven wrong. That's that's literally why I'm here. So people can come back in the comments later and go, man, that Richard guy was an idiot. Um, okay, well I think we're gonna move on from this card. It seems like Last Stand had a lot more to say about it than I originally thought we would. Um, but the next card is Mission Briefing. So Mission Briefing is uh, a common action. It's white and a green pip, and it says draw a card for each character you have on the battlefield in bot mode or body mode. Um, I like this card a lot for a common. Um, I love drawing cards. I don't know if any of y'all knew that. <laughs> uh, my guess is yes. yes. But, but <laughs> this card is really cool because even if it's something where you're drawing, if you have two cards in bot or body mode, um, what, that, what that actually means is this is a green pip pep talk. Now, Pep Talk is not the best card. We can all kind of agree on that. But if you're kind of looking at that as the floor of the card and not the ceiling of the card, I think it kind of changes the narrative around it, right? So if this becomes a draw three that you can pick up, that's pretty, like, dadgum good. You know what I mean? Like, Universal Network Access is a draw three that has seen play, and it's a star. It's got a blue pip on it, but you don't get to see. You don't get to pick it up off of a flip. Um, in Mission Briefing, you do, which means it can be incentive against something like uh, you know, Major Shockwave. Now, one of the things I think it implies here is that if you're trying to make Mission Briefing good, it has to be naturally good in your deck. You can't butcher your flip sequence so that when you draw or flip Mission Briefing, it's finally good. Like It has to actually be good in what's going on in your deck. I'm thinking something along the lines of maybe Blaster, who both wants to be in uh, bot mode himself and flips his little cassettes out into bot mode or, uh, so that there's naturally a lot of characters there or decks that uh, carry maybe one or possibly even two battle masters in them because those characters start in bot mode. I'm intrigued. I want to see if this card is actually good. I don't think it'll be played in super high numbers. I think it's probably like a one of, but I still think that it's probably just good enough to be played in a lot of decks that uh, want to refill and maybe don't want to use system reboot to help their opponent's hands from time to time. Yeah, I see this as a very decent card. I don't know that it's gonna you're gonna run three copies of it or anything like that, but especially if you're wide or you have a deck that you want everyone in bot mode and they have some survivability uh, built into them or built into your battle deck. Like I could definitely see one to two copies of this helping just refill your hand. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I do like this card. I, I didn't think much of it when I when it was first revealed, but I ended up, um, I was playing, I was making a deck, and I was missing one white card, 
and it, it was originally going to be field communicator but i decided to just try this card and i think as a one of it works pretty well because you don't need to always pick it up it's just a white but if you do pick it up and you because you don't have any actions to play then it's it, that just that's just more pluses so yeah, i think it's really good as just a one of in any deck really yeah, I think most of the time the best case scenario for this card is three. Uh, like what Kim was saying, if you're playing a wide deck, wide decks are going to not have a lot of survivability for the most part. The one that really comes to mind for me where this would have the largest amount of card draw for you would be like aerial bots, since those guys mm. are have a really good chance of staying alive uh, since the deck is so blue. So you might draw four cards with that deck, but... Three is probably the best that you're ever looking at. So most of the time, most of the time, or a lot of the time, this is really just going to be like a, a cantrip. Well, this card doesn't do me anything, so and I don't have anything better to do with my action this turn, so play this, draw a card, and hope I draw a, a relevant upgrade. That's totally fair. I, I was actually going to bring up aerial bots. I thought about it like as we were talking, so I'm glad I'm not the only person who thinks something like that. Yeah, I, also, this card is a common, so like, it will see play in Limited, it will see play in Junkion. All right, so the next card that we have is Hollow Matter Projection. It is an uncommon with a green pip and an upgrade that is an armor giving plus one defense. The upgraded character can't take non-attack damage from your opponent's cards. So I think this will be a sideboard card probably at best. It is interesting that between this and another card from this set that has a green pip that's a secret action, Reflect Damage, we're starting to get some hoser cards or deterrents to all the direct damage and ranged cards that we've seen for since the beginning of the game. <laughs> So it'll be interesting to see if this sees play over Reflect Damage or not. Yeah, honestly, I'm willing to try this card as just a, even a one-of. So it's, I think this card is really good. So, yeah. It, range has needed, needed some checks for a while now. So this is, this is all good in my book. Yeah, this is a good card. I'm not sure it's strictly for sideboard. It, it's hard to find a deck that doesn't have some sort of direct damage in it. Everyone wants to be able to get that last point or two of damage uh, if they, they they don't want to waste another attack to get one damage on a bot. I mean, Orange decks even play Zap, and Zap's terrible. And <laughs> the only reason they play Zap is because they can get that last point and they don't have to swing with Scrapnel into some guy for one damage when they know they're going to deal 12. So, yeah, Hollow Matter, Hollow Matter Projector, I could definitely see a one of in a lot of decks. It doesn't have to be blue or orange specifically, like this card is just useful. I think I might be the wet blanket on this one. Um, I really want this card to be a utility. Armors are pretty, they're kind of at a premium as far as like the competition on them goes, right, between uh, sparring gear or point event system or extra padding or sturdy armor. Like the list of good armors is actually kind of going on and on. Ghost Shield is something we got in the most recent set, like composite armor. I want to move on to a positive point here. Generally speaking, if you're using Reflect Damage or something like that, you're really trying to stop uh, non-combat damage from going to one character normally. Like, your strategy revolves around that. Like, there are cases where it's not the case. But normally you're trying to just protect, like, your most important or big guy from taking the full brunt of the direct damage effects and cards. So I think that that's really interesting in that, like, I think it might 
see some play in that kind of dynamic or setup. But also, I just don't know that you can play basically a blank card that's also an armor in your deck in order to achieve that effect. I think the opportunity cost on it being an armor is too high, personally. I think that it is cool and it is close, but I think it is either a good pip or a different upgrade subtype away of being actually competitive level tier. I actually think that while initially I agree with what you're saying about wishing it was a utility, I kind of feel that there's no way that they can make that a utility. Um, but between that and point, it, like if you made that card a utility, you play that, you play point defense, defense system, you play a Titan master uh, flintlock, and then you give that guy like a sparring gear or, well, that you or I'm sorry, you can't, yeah. but you give that guy a uh, hidden fortification or sabotage armament, secret action. I mean, like you're never going to kill that character. You can't pierce him. You can't direct damage them, and you can't get through all that tough. Like, I, I kind of think that they did that on purpose. That's a lot of specific cards to have that are not all green. That's true. And I think you need to add on to the fact that both Point Event System and Hollow Matter Projector themselves are not blue pips. So very true as, too. Assuming that like the, your deck construction is going to be really interesting and probably pretty difficult if you're trying to build that ultimate inevitability. And think about how many cards you just said do not actively advance your own offensive initiative in the game. So if you can build a deck like that and you can't win, then what's the point of playing that deck? It'll naturally weed itself out of the competitive tier unless that character has a very high base attack. I mean... Yeah, I was thinking like Galaxy Optimus. Well, he's not going to have Flintlock on him then, is he? That's true. Perceptor is what I'm thinking. I think if that... that situation was true. Perceptor would be too good. Not that he isn't already, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think I would not be surprised to see it as a utility, but definitely not without the green. The green is the only reason why this is even considerable. But yeah, okay. it's, yeah. Another thing to think about is uh, with Motormaster. If this was equipped on Motormaster, nobody can take direct damage on your team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but wow. then you have to play Motormaster, which is the real cost. Well, I guess I suppose I'm yeah. free, but but that's like a five star stratagem right there. Yeah, but he's got like two attack. Hey, I played Motormaster in my uh, three wide yeah. Optimus at Origins. That yeah, I don't think Motormaster is that bad. Before wave four, five stars were whatever. After wave four, five stars are real in the game now. Right? Yeah, like, that's true. That's true. Like, there are a bunch of insane five stars you're competing with. So while I, I don't think Motormaster was bad when he was released, I think that his stock relative to other um, people in the same star slot has gone down considerably. All right. So the next one we have is Scout Armor. It is a black and blue card, uh, upgrade armor, one defense, and put only on trucks, tanks, wreckers, or constructicons. When the upgraded character is KO'd, draw two cards. Um, I don't like this card. <laughs> this, it's better than Smoke Cloak, yes. I do think it is better than Smoke Cloak for sure, but it's the restrictions and the fact that you're playing it and waiting to draw two cards is just not good enough. You're playing it because it's blue-black. That's probably about it, and that's because you don't want to play Smoke Cloak. 
I, I like to see the love for Constructicons, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, I, I don't really want to draw extra cards because you're KOing my guys. I, I don't normally want to throw guys out there just to get them KO'd. Drawing two extra cards isn't really a big enough benefit for that. Yeah, that and uh, Erratic Energy Grenade, that, I'd rather play that over this. So I do wish that this card could go on Titan Masters. Mm. I think that'd be really cool to be able to put it on your little guy, and then when he blows up, um, you get to draw two cards. I like to see blue-black pips. Those cards are interesting to me. Like, I, I think once you hit a critical mass of playable blue-black pips that... Maybe oh, yeah. there's something there. I don't know. But also, what a weird restriction, right? Like this put restriction is so – it's it's basically what it's saying is don't put it on planes, <laughs> right? Like it's, it's all that's almost a uh, thing. You can't put it on planes or – who's that poor super rare that doesn't have a vehicle tag? Roadbuster. Ro- oh, no, he's a wrecker, so you can put oh, it yeah, on yeah. him. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Okay. Yeah, but you don't put it on planes and don't put it on people without like – with beast tags. Like, it can't go on planes and beasts, and that's, like, it, basically. Cars. Um, sure, it doesn't go on cars either. That's a good <laughs> point. So planes, cars, and beasts, it doesn't go on, but it goes on everything else. And that's so odd. Like, that's such an odd way to think about the, Like, I guess thematically it makes some sense. And, I mean, it's clear that this card is intended to kind of help some of the fringier style decks like the off-road patrol or something like that but um, I'm not sure it's enough and I agree I think that like getting KO'd isn't intentionally isn't like necessarily the way you want to be going about drawing two cards I think there are maybe other better ways yeah the first thing that came to my mind was yes another blue black pip and then I saw the restrictions and was like yeah okay maybe Constructicons I could see, like, Off-Road Patrol with General Optimus with a blue-black battle deck, but I don't know that that's going to be tournament viable. All right, so for my final punishment for the week, I get... You like this card. Stop doing that. (laughs) You like this card. You said, I really like this card before we got on the cast, but now that we're recording, I'm the villain. Well, well, yeah. (laughs) Is it the laugh? Is it because I laugh like Joker? Is that what it is? So, anyways, on that note, industrial grade phase charge, one black pip, an upgrade weapon. When the upgraded character attacks, you may scrap this card. If you do, the upgraded character gets plus three until the turn. And it's important to note that this ability happens before flipping battle cards. So, uh, in essence, it's like another little bitty grenade launcher, which is a card that I'm a big fan of. There's not a lot of times where you would want to just throw this away for one extra damage, but if you think that that one extra damage is what's going to get you there, that's when you'd want to use that. I I do really like this card. It goes in, it fits well into the aggressive black shell that that's a, that's popular as the aggro deck right now. So this card this card is really useful. It's a common. You're going to see it a lot in in limited as well. I think something that's cool to note about it is this is now the second weapon we have in the game behind Sturdy Javelin on range characters that does what it's intended to do around the effect of sabotage armaments, right? Because you can sack it before sabotage armaments would normally scrap it, and you get the plus three benefit regardless. I think that's something that's really interesting to consider. 
there aren't that many kind of like static plus two weapons in the game as it stands. Like I guess there there are a couple and they're at common, but um, this is this is an interesting one. I there are a couple you like utility reasons for having weapons in the graveyard, like turning on uh, wave one wheel jacks, bot mode, um, if that was something you were interested in doing. Like this card is interesting to me. I think it'll be really played in limited. Um, I don't know that there's a spot for it constructed, but I think it's pretty close, honestly. Like I, I don't think it's it's missing by very much. Um, I do think it's important to note that this is now the second longest card name in the game, behind Intrusion Countermeasure Software, which Joel also had to read. <laughs> but um, it's uh, my drawl. He likes my drawl. It, that's what it is. Really, we just want Joel to talk as much as possible. Um, so I don't know. I think this card is cool. I like it, but I just um, I want to I want to see somebody break it because the ways to do so, or I guess not break it, but really make it strong. I, the ways to do so aren't readily apparent to me. For me, I think this is a limited card only, unless you're extremely scared of sabotage armaments. For one black pip, you can have three weapons right off the bat that are just flat out better. The our disruptor blade, the crystal of power, the fusion borer, like I'm I'm almost like it's just it's just competing with too much that's better than what this card is. Wait, so am am I gonna have to be the one that brings up Sound Blaster? Because this I guess is so. this is crazy. Plus six on Sound Blaster. This is plus six on Sound Blaster. What are you what are you guys talking about? You play this, you attack, you scrap this. For the plus three, and then you put on our disruptor or fusion bore on sound blaster. You swing it for twelve. Or you can just put itself back on. Yeah, if you don't have another weapon, then you can put itself back on for plus okay, five. Okay, I completely missed that. I'm gonna. I missed that. Totally. Oh my goodness. What what is this podcast? What is it, man? Well, I, look, man, we're not perfect. <laughs> like, no, no, really not perfect. No, no, it's it's, it's a joke. But yeah, yeah, Sound Blaster is where I will see this played because it's it's an upgrade that gives attack, so you can do that. Uh, Last Stand is really the only black pump card that I can think of, but an attack pump card, and then you get Sound Blaster's attack, so he can swing for really high with just black pips. So, Oof. yeah, yeah. You yeah, can yeah. put Crystal Power on him and then get the defense buff too? That's so yeah, yeah, hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound Blaster is very good after the set, so... Oh, yeah. Get your Sound Blaster while you can. Dust them off while you can. I was I used mine to make origami after Wave Four came out. Uh oh. So I might have to unfold it. <laughs> was it a pretty crane? No, I'm not very good. Oh. <laughs> Seriously though, Sound Blaster, that card is gonna see some play, guaranteed. I hope so. It's a really cool card. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all the spoilers we have from this week. It was a little bit slower. I think we mentioned that a couple of times. You know, if you're listening to us on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe. Uh, and if you do have any questions, please leave them. We'd love to answer them. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, you can go ahead and you do have a question. You can go ahead and leave that in the comment section of either this episode's post in the uh, Transformers Trading Card Game Facebook group, or you can go find the YouTube video that's on that link, and you can uh, post it there. Um, but that ought to do it for us for Episode 5. Uh, thank you to everybody out there who's listening. And if you find the input and information here valuable, you can find more strategy, analysis, turn reports, and more like it at transformyourgame.net. And until next time, guys, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose. <laughs>